Good Tuesday to you all, and welcome to the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. I'm Justin Hall. My colleague, Mitch Prosser, is alongside me, and we'll be joined by a very special guest in just a moment. But first, it's been a busy past couple of weeks inside the state capitol, as always, and that's certainly true here at Palmetto Family Council as well. If you missed any of our recent episodes from the past week, we've had conversations with Leah Savas of World News about abortion in disguise across the United States and what that looks like in a post-Roe world after the Dobbs decision comes down, hopefully, in June. We were joined by Representative R.J. May of Lexington to discuss his bill regarding transparency in education and parental rights in South Carolina. And on Friday, our most recent podcast, Senator Josh Kimbrell of Spartanburg joined us to discuss a new tax bill that was just introduced on Thursday morning on the floor of the South Carolina State Senate. You can listen to all of those interviews and discussions by scrolling down right below this podcast and I encourage you to do that. But don't scroll down just yet, though, because, Mitch, we have a very special guest in studio with us today. Justin, we have had the opportunity to interview some wonderful people. We have some great people here in the state of South Carolina. We have a great congressional delegation. We have great representatives inside the state house, both in the House and the Senate. But I'll say this. Our governor and lieutenant governor are second to none in the United States of America. Take that, Virginia. Uh, and, and they have a great <laughs> new governor. Pam Yvette, our lieutenant governor, has been a stalwart. She's been a staunch conservative. She has been leading the charge when it comes to the things that we'll be talking about today. And I'm just so great that she, grateful that she's in the studio with us today. Welcome, lieutenant, lieutenant governor. Well, thank you guys so much. You know, you're singing my praises, and I can't say enough about Palmetto family. Uh, you know, Mitch, you are one hardworking guy. You and Dave and everybody here at Palmetto family, every time I have an event, you're there making sure that you get the message of Palmetto family all across our state. So thank you so much for what you're doing. These are issues that... Um, parents can relate to, right? Things that are happening in our homes, conversations we now are having with our kids. I have said for a long time that COVID did a lot of bad things mm -hmm. in our country, but boy, did it wake up the, yes. the the unit of the family, right? We got together. We were all home together for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we were all home together, but it took conversations back to the dinner table. And I think in the busy lives that we lead as parents and kids and kids involved in activities, um, maybe got away from that a little mm -hmm. too much. So it's great to see you out there and championing the rights of parents. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're going to talk about some of these issues today, I think COVID does play a factor in that. And we saw some of those issues take shape in the midst of COVID when many other states were afraid to legislate. They were just afraid to speak to these issues. Uh, South Carolina wasn't afraid to speak to those issues. One of the strongest pieces of legislation in the United States was S1, the fetal heartbeat bill. And it's hard to believe that uh, I think this week, that was one year ago. One year ago, Friday. So, Lieutenant Governor, we're grateful for you and what Governor McMaster did on that front and standing for life. I remember looking there in the second floor lobby and seeing you just smile ear to ear. I'm grateful for your stance and your stand for life here in South Carolina. Tell us a little bit more about what's happening on the pro-life front here in our state. Well, you're right, Mitch. Last year was an amazing year. S1 passed and, you know, it deals with um, going back to who are we electing, mm -hmm. right? Elections matter. Yes. Senator Graham says that all the time. Elections matter. And because we got more conservative people into the Senate, 
that would stand up for the right to life is the reason S1 happened. Uh, the mm -hmm. governor has been supporting this right to life yeah. for a long time. It has been something that's been very near and dear to my heart. And I've just, I could, you're right. I wasn't more proud than that day standing <laughs> there as we watched him sign that into law. Now we know uh, it was challenged almost immediately, but we have, uh, we have a, a new dawn coming in our country yes. uh, with the Dobbs case. And so the Dobbs case, uh, you know, I was with Susan B. Anthony List this week speaking to them. It was such an honor to speak to their leadership group um, down in Kiowa and talked about that. You know, what does a post-Roe world look mm -hmm. like? Uh, what are we going to do? What does it mean for states that have bills that are now being challenged if Roe completely gets turned around and it's taken back down to the states? What does that do for us? How many lives does that save? And thank you again to Palmetto Family. Uh, the governor asked Palmetto Family to be a big role for people that don't know in what a glimpse of that after row world looks like. Um, and we're concentrating on adoption, right? Yes. We, we are confident. We believe God is good. Uh, I think he's hearing the prayers of everyone. And this will get turned around. And when it does, how are we there to be a soft landing pad for women who find themselves in a situation they didn't count on, and how do we help them through that situation? Well, Lieutenant Governor, you mentioned this post-Roe world and being pro-life. You know, you see it all the time and you hear it. People say, well, you're not pro-life, you're just pro-birth, and that's just the furthest thing from the truth for, for all of us in this room, certainly. Uh, but we have partnered at Palmetto Family with you, the governor's office and and Department of Social Services, together to create pathways to permanency when it comes to adoption. Kind of give some folks, we haven't talked about it in quite a few weeks since the session started. So what has that been like in those meetings trying to figure out how to make it easier for folks to adopt, for children to be adopted? Why is that so important should Roe be sent back down to the states? Well, there was a study, a kind of a light study. I don't know that the these are for sure numbers, but 1,500 children last year, if we take out chemical abortion, mm -hmm. which is horrific, and we can talk about that on a totally separate note, but um, if we just look at clinically performed abortions, it's estimated that 1,500 children mm -hmm. would be with us today uh, had they not been performed. So that's 1,500 families that would be impacted by that. And we, you know, I have heard um, for years now, I would love to adopt. I have a large family. Our, some of our kids have gone off to college and mm -hmm. we want to give back, but we can't afford it. Because when you have four, five, six, seven kids, mm. uh, it, it gets to be a lot. You can't, I've heard numbers anywhere from $10,000 to $40,000 wow. uh, and everything in between to adopt. And families just can't do that. So I think that's one of the great things that we're talking about is how do we make it affordable? How do we make it happen quicker? How mm -hmm. do we get, get right. children? You, know, you, have, you have parents who are going to willingly give their children up for adoption. Then you have some that aren't. And we want to make sure that we get children out of bad situations when we know that there's no hope for a better situation and get them into a loving home. Because we hear time and time again that that is the best chance for a child's success mm -hmm. is getting into a good, loving family. Um, so great headway on that. You know, in those, the governor, uh, he has always talked about how cooperation, collaboration, communication <laughs> is really the best way to solve a problem. And that's what's happening right now, right? We brought, as you said, DSS to the table. 
We brought adopted parents to the table. We brought adopted children to the table. We had state legislators at the table. And first and foremost, our faith community. You know, in South Carolina, when I'm with my other lieutenant governor colleagues, I tell them over and over again, we couldn't do what we do in our state without our faith community because they really fill the gap that government can never fill. And so thank you for that. So I saw great headway during those conversations. Yeah, and they'll continue. Lieutenant Governor, you mentioned the idea of setting children up for success, and I think that goes right into what I wanted to bring up next. There are a lot of bills being passed through right now, going through committees and such inside the House and in the Senate. A lot to keep up with, as we were talking before we before we came on. Uh, but there are a couple that are talking specifically about parents' rights when it comes to their child's education. And Mitch brought this up earlier in the Virginia gubernatorial election. You had the the Democrat candidate, Terry McAuliffe, said that he didn't believe that parents should be involved in what's being taught inside schools. And the voters believed him, and they didn't vote for him. So how important is it for parents to be involved in their child's education and what they're being taught inside of schools? It's so important. You know, first and foremost, I'm a mom. It's the best job (laughs) that God's ever given me. I'm a mom of three. Um, Heaven help somebody who tells me as a mom that I have no right to have a glimpse into what my children are being taught. Right. And we saw that. We saw that it started in Loudoun County and uh, moms there got together and they united. And that comment that you just said really united them. I think it's where the term mama bear comes from. Right. We are very protective of our children. And it's not just moms in Virginia. It's moms everywhere. And we're seeing that everywhere. I mean, we, Mitch and I were together on Saturday at a Moms for Liberty event where these chapters are coming up all around South Carolina. They're coming up all around the country. Moms getting involved, wanting to see transparency in education, wanting to make sure that their kids are taught the same values in school that they're taught at home. The bottom line was, is they wanted teachers to teach curriculum. Reading, writing, arithmetic, leave politics and, and, and other issues that are controversial at the door and not bring their kids into the middle of them. And uh, we're seeing that happening now all over the country. We go back to COVID. What is the one thing that COVID did? Um, it, it really brought a glimpse into education, right? Parents looking over their kids' shoulders and, and getting an idea of what they're being taught. Some uh, getting nervous when schools were asking them, you know, not just here in South Carolina, but everywhere these stories came out where school districts and teachers were wanting their children's um, parents to sign releases that they wouldn't watch them. They wouldn't watch the lessons uh, that were being taught. And so I think it was a great eye-opener, and it, uh, I'm hoping it doesn't end, and I don't think it will. I think you're going to start to see. We see moms coming out in record numbers running for school board positions. I you know. I mean, I could, I'm always the first to say, There were times I have looked over who I'm electing and Mm -hmm. have forgotten that a school board seat is on the ballot, right? And as I'm in the voting booth, I'm thinking, okay, what signs have I seen? If my friends talked about anybody (laughs) that I'm like-minded with, Mm -hmm. that I would venture to bet will never happen again. People will know who's on, who's running for school board, what they stand for, what they believe in. The government that's closest to you affects you the most, and the school board so, is definitely. I mean, we just saw in San Francisco, yeah. just this week or just this past week, you had three of the more widely left leaning get recalled in San Francisco of it all was places. Widely left leaning on its own, as right. an entire state community right. have said, parents are. Standing up, I think we've been the silent majority for a long yeah. time, mm-hmm. right? Because as a parent, 
what we can all come together and agree on is that we work so hard to make sure that we give our kids the best opportunity life can give them, right? We want to put food on the table, a roof over their head. We want to make sure they're well-educated. And for so long, we were really believing that somebody was taking care of like those other details. Uh, and now we know that it's something we have to get involved in. And and they've woke up the sleeping bear, right? No pun intended. Those moms are now uh, engaged. Absolutely. So uh, there's two things that really encourage me as, as I've listened to you and as you're listening right now, as if you're folding the laundry or driving to work, uh, you're listening to Lieutenant Governor speak. Two things that have really encouraged me. The first one is that you understand that elections have consequences. Elections matter and we have to be informed about those elections. But the other thing that greatly encourages me, and you mentioned uh, Moms for Liberty and these uh, parental rights groups popping up all over the place. I think Moms for Liberty says they have 3,000 some members right now in South Carolina, which is incredible. And that you can expect that number to grow is that parents are the best parents of their children. Absolutely. And right now we see this pervasive movement of government sweeping through our nation and every, everywhere from those school boards. And we're seeing that in some cases here in South Carolina where school boards and other government agencies or entities are saying, you know, maybe we know what's best. I'm so grateful to hear you, Lieutenant Governor of the state of South Carolina, saying, no, the best parents for parents are parents. Nobody knows your children better than you do. And, you know, to add to your story about Virginia, uh, my counterpart in Florida, Jeanette Nunez, Mm -hmm. uh, shared with us that, you know, when her and Governor DeSantis were running, uh, their challenger, their Democrat challenger, was talking about getting rid of charter schools, mm. school choice and charter schools. And um, moms, she said what won the election for them were single moms, uh, moms in the most at-risk areas, either registering to vote or crossing over party lines to vote for them because they were not going to have their children's future robbed from them. And she said, you know, I think that was the single biggest issue that threw us into the win category. And so, you know, not as well, not as, I guess, widely known of a story, but still a very impactful story. I mean, that was a very tight race in Florida. And what Mm -hmm. made the difference? Moms. Moms that came out and said, no, you're not going to take my child's future away. I think we've seen the uncovering, you mentioned silent majority earlier, but I believe that Virginia race may have uncovered a voting (laughs) block that people really just kind of counted on for such a long time as just it was kind of there. Now you're going to have to really go for that voting block and that voting block being parents. And I promise you, that's a very large voting block across the state of South Carolina. And you say voting block, and Mitch knows what I'm going to say. When you say (laughs) voting block, um, you know, Christians are the lowest voting block in the country right now. And we really got to stand up. You know, President Trump used to say, "They're they're not coming for me. They're coming for me to get to you. And we have seen that. This administration has really showed how true President Trump's words were. And um, we have to get Christians out to vote. I mean, this it, it is biblical to go to pray for your elected leaders, to get out and vote. Uh, we have to do that because what we believe in, what we fundamentally believe in, is what is under attack. Yes. And if we don't stand up mm-hmm. for ourselves, nobody's going to stand up for right. us. It's the people that end up getting into office that are gonna stand up for you just like President Trump did. So we just toured the state with David Barton uh, a couple (laughs) weeks ago and saw about 2,700 people in about five, six different events. 
And one of the primary pushes and focuses of that tour was to get the church engaged. If you're listening to this right now and your church hasn't hosted a voter registration drive, a nonpartisan voter registration drive in your church, then you need to take charge. You need to go to your pastor and you need to tell them, we're setting up a table in our church because we need 100% of Christians in the church let me say that number again. We need 100% of Christians in the church registered to vote. And then we're not telling you who to vote for. We're not telling you people or party. We're telling you platform and principle. Vote biblical values. Make informed, wise decisions and vote your biblical values. Our friends at Faith Winds are doing this nationwide. You can count on Palmetto Family Council to inform you on the principles and the issues that you need to be voting for. And as we know, the path, the road to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue flows through South Carolina. So it does. as those presidential candidates, whoever they are, are coming to our state, we want to tell them, listen, we're South Carolina, and these are the issues that matter to us. Thank you so much, Governor, Lieutenant Governor, for joining us here on Palmetto Family Matters. Mitch, thank you so much for having me. If I could end it with one thought, kind of going back, is uh, when we talk about adoption, we really have to change the way people view adoption. That when a mother keeps her baby and then mm-hmm. wants to give it up, it is the most loving thing yes. a mother can do. And so we need to change how we think about adoption and we need to change the narrative with that. We need to empower young girls and moms because in the post row world, we need to make sure that those moms feel like they are making a good decision and they have the support of an, our entire community, our faith community, our yes. South Carolina community, our nation embraces what they're doing as a loving act. Absolutely. And, and if you want more information on that, go to dss.sc.gov, Daniel's Law, the safe surrendering of a child early on in that child's life. Uh, there is a law on the books that protects mothers who yes. choose to courageously and safely surrender their child to give them a better life. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, anytime. The- love love talking with y'all. And uh, thank you for all the good work you're doing. Please tell Dave I said hello. He wasn't here today, but it's great to see you guys all the time. Absolutely. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Yvette. And by the way, Mitch, you mentioned David Barton. You're going to want to listen on Friday. David Barton will be joining us on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We will talk to you on Friday.